1: Welcome and thank you for joining us on another episode of Ask the Experts right here on Talk 1370. I'm your host, Matt Alvarez, and you're listening to the show about your health, your life, and much more with our rotating cast of experts. If you'd like to catch up on any of our past shows, you can visit our website, talk1370.com slash experts. And of course, if you have a question that you would like answered on air with any of our experts, you feel free to email us, asktheexperts at talk1370.com. Returning today is Regina Shower. Regina is with the Slayton Shower Law Firm, and we're going to speak about estate planning. Regina, welcome back to the program.
0: Thank you for having me back.
1: Let's talk about your law firm a little bit. What do you guys do?
0: All that we do is wills, uh, preparation of wills and trusts and uh, advising people as far as as those concerns. That's what we limit our practice to. so.
1: So I guess the first question I would have for you today is, what happens to my property if I die without a will or a trust?
0: It would go into probate. Um, and probate is a uh, a court process. So um, that means that you would have to, in Texas, you would have to go to some sort of a court process. Um, and the court has a... If you never, if you didn't designate who you wanted your property to go to, Mm -hmm. then the state has a plan for you. Um, It's very set in stone kind of plan. It's, um, if you um, have a wife and, uh, or a spouse, and uh, all of your children are by that same spouse, then um, all of your property would go to your spouse. And if you have Children that are not with that spouse, then it would be divided between that spouse and those children. If you don't have a spouse or children, then it would go to your parents. If you don't have living parents, it would go down, it would go to your brothers and sisters. If you don't have living brothers and sisters, it would go to um, cousins and nieces and nephews and that Mm -hmm. type of thing, on and on and on. And um, so the problem with that is that, say um, you have a brother that um, did incredibly good investing, and he doesn't have any children, and um, so he really doesn't need the 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 what you could give him, right, but then you have a second brother that's say a firefighter, and he has four children, and he could really use it well. And if you die without a will or a trust, then there's no way to say I'd rather give this person more mm-hmm. and because it will help him and it will only cause tax consequences to this person. So you know, if you want any control at all, then um, you need to have a will or a trust.
1: Absolutely. We have uh, plenty of people that come in here and speak about it. if you don't have a plan for when you die, the state has a plan for you. Um, and it always doesn't work in – Everyone's favor. So um how is is this the same way that property is transferred when someone passes away?
0: Um yes, it's um that probate action is to is designed for two things. It's designed to make sure the titles of things are put into a living person's name rather than the person that has passed away. And then it's designed also to make sure all of the last debts Mm -hmm. of that person are taken care of. So, you know, the last hospital visit and the doctors and funeral expenses and all yeah. that have to be cleared. Um, the other thing about probate is it usually takes, um, you know, the average is nine months. So things are kind of tied up for mm-hmm. that long. Um, so, you know, it's it's usually not the best process for some, a family. The other thing that you need to realize about a probate is that, If you have property in more than one state, Mm -hmm. you have to do a probate in each state. So it can really turn into a costly situation. A lot of times families will think that um, they're saving a whole lot of money or they don't want to pay for a, a will or a trust or whatever. And in the end, they really end up overall spending a whole lot more money through the probate and intestate, we call it, uh, dying without a will or a trust, uh, through that process than they ever would have um, preparing a will or a trust.
1: And so can probate be avoided?
0: Oh, yes. Um, probate is avoided by creating a trust. Um, there's some other methods that can be used too, but... Um, Usually, the easiest process to do that with is a trust, and there are multiple kinds of trusts. So um, sometimes people will have dealt with one kind of trust, and they think that they're very complicated, um, all that type of thing, because there are some that are complicated. But for most families, it, all that the trust does is it keeps them from having to go to court. And a lot of times people will come into our offices and they'll say, but the reason that mother even created a will is because she didn't want us to have to go to court. And they don't understand that any time that you have a will, you are going to have some sort of probate action. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that's, that's a difference. One of the differences between a will and a trust is that if you have a trust, you're avoiding... It, everything stays private, and you're avoiding having to go to court, and you're also avoiding um, the the. When you go to court, everything becomes a public document. Anything that I mean, because you have to file documents with the court. Well, anybody can walk down to the courthouse and ask for a copy of anything in a court file. They're public records, and so. The problem is, is that y- you may not want everybody in the world to know what your assets are and what they were worth, and the name and address of who they were given to after you pass away. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, so if you if you do that through a probate process, then everything becomes public record. If you do it through a trust process, everything stays private, typically. So. That's one of the major differences in them. Plus, you have a lot more control over what happens after you pass away with a trust than you do with, say, a will. Um, For example, we have a lot of uh, families that have very young children. Mm -hmm. Uh, In fact, a lot of times people will come to us to get a will or a trust when that first child is born because then they realize, hey, we've got to do something to protect this child. Um, With a trust, what you can do is you can set up a guardian for who you would want to raise the child and take care of that child on a daily basis. But then there might be somebody different that you want to handle how their resources are managed or uh, how their assets are invested, for example, or how they're spent. And plus, it's also a good idea to have somebody looking over the shoulder just to get two opinions mm-hmm. on whether that should be paid now for when they're small or maybe that should be saved for college. And you have you have more control, whereas uh, with a will, if you just give it outright, then whoever has the guardianship, whoever has that child, um, can use they have to use it for the benefit of the child, but they may have a whole different opinion about what that benefit would be than you do. So you just have a lot more control.
1: And if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Ask the Experts right here on Talk 1370. Today we're sitting down with Regina Schauer with the Slayton Shower Law Firm and we're speaking about estate planning. Regina, we have a few minutes before the break. I just wanted to ask. What is a joint tendency with rights of survivorship? And is there another type of joint tendency?
0: Um, yes. Um, and in, in Texas, a lot of people I find are not aware of this. Is on your bank accounts, on your property. Um, we have, as you said, a, we have just a plain joint tenancy, mm-hmm. And then we have joint tendency with right of survivorship. Now, the reason that was set up that way in Texas is because they wanted like, they wanted people to be able to, when they got elderly or if they were disabled, uh, to be able to add somebody to their bank account to help them. So, for example, my mother-in-law is legally blind. She can't see the bills that come in. So she added one of her sons to her bank accounts to help her pay bills and whatnot. But at her death, She doesn't want that to pass just to that one son. So joint tenancy means that when you pass away, whoever is named on that account with you, they become the owner of that account. So if you have a joint tenancy with right of survivorship, then it goes past your death, Mm -hmm. and that is given to that person that's on that bank account. But if you just have it in plain, in plain joint tenancy, then it does not go to that person after you pass away. So you really need to check all of your accounts and especially your property to make sure it's doing what you want it to do so that if you mean for it to go to that person after your death, then great, and you have make sure you have that those magic words with right of survivorship on that. Mm-hmm. So
1: all important stuff so we're going to go ahead and step aside for our first break but don't go anywhere we have much more with regina coming up right here on ask the experts on talk 1370 Welcome back to Ask the Experts right here on Talk 1370. I'm your host, Matt Alvarez. Today we're sitting down with Regina Shower from the Slayton Shower Law Firm. And if anything that we've spoken about so far uh, piques your interest and you'd like to get more information and get in contact with the Slayton Shower Law Firm, you can do so by visiting their website, austinestateplan.com. Again, that's austinestateplan.com. Or you can give them a call, 512 258 9455 Regina continuing our conversation on joint tenancy, uh my next question is can I just use joint tenancy to take care of everything and not do any trust or will
0: it is possible okay. joint tenancy is uh, one of the the best ways that you can transfer a property uh, because by definition you've got say two or three people on your document and um you do it without any cost to set it up because you usually do it as you buy it and or set up the bank account or something. And then um, when you pass, it just passes right to them without you having to go through a court process or anything like that. The disadvantage to trying to do it that way is um, say that you and your, your husband or wife are, uh, are on that property deed together. Then um, something happens to both of you. There's no way to get it to the next generation. Um, so then usually what people will do is they'll say, well, I, I can solve that problem. What I'll do is I'll add all my kids on there too, and um, we'll just have this covered and we won't need a will or a trust. And what people don't realize is that any time that you add a child or anyone else, To one of your assets, then you're putting that asset at risk. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And um, so, for example, um, they're out on 360, and they have a car accident, and they get sued. Um, Your property is has their their name on it, so now your property is at risk. Same thing on bank accounts. Uh, When I was a judge, uh, I was a judge eight years, and when you're, when I was a judge, if we, we would have um, people come to us and ask us to freeze assets, for example, the DA's office, uh, if they were in back-due child support, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And when when it was appropriate to freeze those assets, we'd freeze all assets. Well, if I'm on grandma's account now and you just froze my assets, then grandma now doesn't have access to her bank account. So... That's the problem with joint tenancy, mm-hmm. but if, um, but it is a great alternative.
1: And so what are the key documents that every estate plan must have to protect uh, a family? Uh,
0: well, we have a lot of documents in our package that are extras to help people organize and be able to locate things and set up their funeral ex- uh, preparations and all those type of things. Um, but the main documents that every family wants to have is you want a um, a power of attorney uh, for both your property and who you want to personally care for you. Um, and you want to designate, and then you need a will or a trust. And um, you want to have your medical powers of attorney. Who's going to make those medical decisions if you can't? Uh, speak for yourself. Those are the main three documents that you need to be aware of. And the reason is, is because a lot of times people um, in this day and age will try to do it themselves. And and doing it yourself is um, usually not a good idea in this area of law, simply because if you mess up anything, then you don't really realize the mistake Until it's too late to correct it. The person's already passed away, and now the spouse or the children are left with these major problems that were caused because they didn't do something properly. In fact, one of my seminars recently, um, somebody came to me in tears and they had lost over 40% of their property because mom had designated something wrong in it, and they were asking me could they. Possibly get it corrected. Well, no, mom's already gone now. She can't change her mind now, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's the problem with trying to do it yourself. But um, the reason that you want the power of attorney document is because otherwise, if you're not able to make your decisions, then you have to have a court process called a guardianship or conservatorship. And um, the guardianship is just the court saying you have the right to to handle all the property basically for this person and make their decisions. Um, It seems like, okay, let's, I usually give the example, uh, Bob Jones and Mary Jones have been married 40 years and Bob Jones uh, has a heart attack and he's left disabled and not able to make mental decisions for himself. Um, It seems like his wife would automatically be the person that could make those choices for him. But it's up to a court, and the court only gets this little bitty postcard look at your family. So if Mary has had no experience really in handling the finances of the family, or if she's had a problem in her past, then the court may very well decide to appoint somebody else to handle those financial affairs. Uh, But maybe that's not what Bob would have wanted, you know. So you need to make the decisions. I also give the example a lot of times of um, say that Mary, uh, let's say he has that same heart attack and he has two children. One of them is this professional daughter that handles business and just looks fantastic. The other one is kind of a hippie looking guy with long hair. And, and in Austin, I usually tell people, of course, he's probably the wealthiest person Mm -hmm. here in Austin, uh, with all of our live music and all that. But, um, just taking that, say he's kind of a bum and he's not really very impressive. Let's just say when you meet him, um, but maybe he's the kindest person that's ever been on this, put on the face of the earth. He, he's got time for you. He's kind and caring. And the daughter, even though she's absolutely fantastic in business, is just kind of not really nice. And you don't want her to care for you on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Well, if you put the powers of attorney and put the right documents in place, then you could designate That the daughter could handle all that financial stuff, but you want the son, say, to take care of you on a daily basis. But when the court is looking at that, they just see this little postcard. So, I mean, if you, that might not happen, and you might, that's where we see like people getting in the care of people that they don't really shouldn't be in.
1: You're able to handle a lot of this stuff within your law firm, then, right?
0: Oh, yeah, we do all of this. That's what we do.
1: If you're just tuning in right now, you're listening to Ask the Experts, and we're sitting down with Regina Shower with the Slayton Shower Law Firm. Um, to get a hold of their practice, you can visit their website, AustinEstatePlan.com. Um, Regina, uh, before we head off into another break here, I wanted to ask you. You said that you know you you have a workshop that's coming up in the month of February, February 21st and 22nd. Um, would you mind letting our listeners know a little bit about that?
0: Oh, that's that's nice that you asked. Um, yes, it's a, it's a lot different than what we usually give as mm-hmm. our workshops. We do teach on all kinds of topics, and those are always free and uh, open to the public. Um, but this time, we're bringing in a national speaker, February the 21st and 22nd. He's been featured on... Uh, Fox. He's been featured on CNN. He's he's a lot of times on economics. They'll mm-hmm. bring him in. And it's taken us over a year to arrange to get him here. Um, he's going to be teaching a, a financial education workshop. How do you uh, avoid the Bernie Madoff type schemes? Mm-hmm. How do you know what protections should be in place if you are with a reputable t- uh, firm or or organization, or doing your own investing, and, um, and then things start going south, even after you've been there a while, you, some new manager steps in or whatever, then what are the warning signs? Right. And um, it's actually a, a whole two days, and we're using, there's three Nobel Peace Prize winners um, that, have, um, that have materials that are really great, and it's real entertaining, it's open to the public, It's going to be at the Senesta over on Bee Caves at that big hotel there that's new and um, should be very interesting. So if anybody wants to join it, just give our law firm a call and we'll see if we can get you in. (laughs) Yeah,
1: and that number is 512-258-9455. Again, 512-258-9455. You can visit their website to also get that phone number, austinestateplan.com. Regina, even though that is something that is different than what you normally do, it at the end of the day, it all ties into your estate and what you leave uh, to your family.
0: Right, because what we found is, um, and that's why we're bringing them out, is because what we were finding is that we can put these perfect, you know, grand uh, plans together to protect the family. But if they get in the middle of some mess before that, and, and the thing is, um, oftentimes these things happen to people who are at the end of their work prop you know their mm-hmm. work cycle so it's just so tragic when we see these things happen to somebody in their 70s or you 80s your
1: savings in your retirement plan and, and, then
0: and then they become a burden on their family nobody mm-hmm. wants to lose their independence and so that's why we started exploring some of this stuff
1: absolutely Well, Regina, um, we got another half hour coming up. Um, We're going to step aside for a break and the news. We have more Ask the Experts right here on Talk 1370. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Ask the Experts right here on Talk 1370. I'm your host, Matt Alvarez. We're sitting down with Regina Shower with the Slayton Shower Law Firm, and we're speaking about estate planning. Um, Regina, before we went on our break, uh, we were talking about trust and wills. And my next question for you is, will my trust need to be changed when I buy or sell assets like a piece of property?
0: Oh, no, not at all. I'm going to ask that a a lot. Yeah. Yeah. but not at all it doesn't change anything that you do it doesn't change say your property taxes. it doesn't change the way you buy and sell there's no restrictions. you could still take a loan out of it you can get uh, you know you can rent it you can anything that you could do before you had a trust you can do the same after you have a trust and there's no difference no no extra hardship at all.
1: Can you cancel or terminate revoke? A trust if you create one and if you don't like it later on
0: always yes anytime that you want to you can just throw it out the window i've never had anybody do that but um because you can always just amend them Mm -hmm. or completely restate them which means start over basically from them so um i've just never had anybody do that but yeah anytime that you want to you can just say this isn't what i want and i don't want it anymore
1: and what about um if someone wants to contest a trust like they break or contest wills?
0: Because it stays private. Mm -hmm. You're not having a court process. Okay. So it becomes a lot more difficult for somebody to... We always have what we call a no contest clause in either our wills or our trust. And if you already have documents, then that is something that you should check because um, all that is is one sentence really that says anybody that contests what I put together is kicked out. And it keeps people from coming in and contesting and using up all the resources and bickering fits. And, you know, we see situations where the neighbor says, um, oh, two years ago, Bob told me that he would uh, pay for the fence between our houses. And, you know, that silliness that comes up. It's very important. It's mm-hmm. called a no contest clause.
1: And so um, I guess when setting up a trust, we, we have a few things in line. Like, for one, um, how long would it take to set up a trust?
0: I usually tell people to give me close to a month um, because we have other cases that we're also doing. But really, it doesn't take very long. If somebody uh, calls me and says I'm traveling and I have to get it done before I go to you know overseas or if they're going into a hospital, we... We can, you know, get it done quicker than that. But I usually just say, from the time that I get the form from them, uh, give me a month to get it all in place and signed and whatnot.
1: And, and I know this is a, a question also for a small population, a percentage of people, um, but it, but it's it's an important one. Say that you have a special needs child. Um, why would that person need to set up a trust?
0: Those are the people that um, they definitely need to put a trust in place, because if that child um, is ever potentially going to receive public benefits, say that they're getting help with housing or they need to live in a group home or uh, they're just getting benefits from the state, if you just leave them your assets and to take care of them, it cuts off their eligibility for Social Security and all of the things that they would have qualified for. So the proper way to do it is to create a trust in a very specific way. And then what can happen is they'll still qualify for as as many of the government benefits that possibly can. And then your trust comes in and supplements and makes their life better. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I have people come into my office and they were just they left the assets to them and they just cut them off. And the problem is, is sometimes what you left them is not as good as what they would have gotten in government benefits. For example, um, a lot of times it cuts off cuts off their eligibility to get their medical expenses paid and uh, get medical ins- benefits to the state. So it's really critical that people do this. Plus, you get to help them uh, throughout their life. You'll know they'll have... Yeah. Yes, that's a neat. Because i will be
1: here a lot longer than you will. Right. Um, so if you have a child that hasn't yet reached uh, college age, and there are there advantages to having a trust for that child's benefit rather than a will?
0: Well, okay, let me give you a, a real world example. Um, say that you have divorced somebody and you have a child by that person. Um, if you pass away in a car accident, The other parent, unless there's something really crazy going on, is going to have custody of that child. Well, whoever has custody of that child has also got custody of all their assets. So that's probably not something you want if you've divorced that person. So if you put a trust together, you could say, I don't want, whoever has custody of them, I might not have control over that, but I have control over who's going to control those assets, Well, we have some really horrible situations out there where we've got uh, people who have been divorced that the only, well, let's don't say the only reason, but a primary reason that they really want the custody of the child is so they have control of those assets, Mm -hmm. sadly. You can prevent that by having a trust and putting somebody else in charge of those assets. That keeps them from wanting that incentive, at least. And... The other thing is, is that, say, even if you've got a wonderful situation with your family and everybody gets along and we don't have any problems like that, then maybe your priority would be, for example, to have college funds available to that child or, uh, you know, that your priority is that they get to buy a house at a certain age. Well, uh, you can say, okay, I'm going to have this for your safety net up till the age of 18, you know, if you need it, you can access it. But my primary concern is that there's money for college set aside, so don't use it unless you need it. And you have a lot more control over what happens to those assets if it's in a trust than if you just give it outright. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I mean, maybe your choice wasn't that at 16 they get a sports car, you know, that yeah. type of thing.
1: Yeah. So I don't even – I think we were – I was having a conversation with some people in my office talking about uh, a famous basketball player, uh, Shaq, Shaquille O'Neal. He told his kid that if he got great grades, he could get whatever car he wanted. Um, and his kid called him from the Mercedes dealership. Mm-hmm. He said no, I think, at the end of it. <laughs> that he wasn't going to give his, teenage child, uh, his his teenager an expensive car like that.
0: Okay. Think it even further. Okay. Think through it even further. Uh, ex-husband... Has now custody of my little child, yeah. and when that child gets to sixteen, maybe he needs that Corvette. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe I'm as the parent going to drive it most of the time, but mm-hmm. it's really yours, yeah. sweetie. You know, yeah. <laughs> we see that people we take see, advantage of. Yeah, it. we do, and we see situations where um, the guardian of that child decides it's to the child's benefit that we put a swimming pool in. Mm-hmm. You know. It's 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 a situation that you know people do have to think through these things. So
1: now, um, you know, we're mentioning stuff that costs an extravagant amount of money, um, and I want our listeners to know what you know is a trust for people who only have wealth and a lot of assets. Um, what if someone just doesn't have that much? Just you know the basics: a house, a car, uh, a small bank account, and a retirement pension. Should they get a trust?
0: Well, we always have to look at that on a case-by-case basis, but um, most of the time a trust will benefit the family. Um, in the old days when an attorney would charge you an arm and a leg to get a trust made, then, uh, you know, you'd kind of go, well, you know, you're on your own kids. But in these, this day and age with computers and all of the things that we have today, um, Most of the attorneys uh, can do a trust at a reasonable cost. And um, what I would say to people is when you're looking at that, don't just say, okay, it's this amount of money. Think about the fact that if, say, that first spouse passes away and you have to go through a court process, you're going to have to hire, uh, well, you don't have to. But most people would hire an attorney at that point to get them through the probate process. That usually costs a lot more than getting that trust prepared. Then when the second spouse passes away, they have to go through another court process where, okay, the family's got to now have another attorney to get them through that process. If you ever have, and most families do, if you ever have somebody who has mental issues towards the end of their life, and they haven 't um, done these kind of documents in advance, then there is very likely going to be either a guardianship or somebody's has to get in control of helping that person
1: mm-hmm.
0: if they haven 't done those documents you you are likely to have three court processes that i i 'm just telling you to do nothing is the most expensive thing for the family to do and um yeah, it's, it's just bad, and plus the hassle factor of just having to deal with courts and all of that
1: type of thing. I'm pretty sure it's the last thing you want to deal with with the death of a family member as well.
0: That's right.
1: If you're uh, tuning in, you're listening to Ask the Experts. We're sitting down with Regina Shower from the Slayton Shower Law Firm. Um, if anything has uh, piqued an interest in you and you want to get in contact with Regina and her team, you can do so by calling them at 512-258-9455 or checking out their website, austinestateplan.com. We're going to step into our final break for the program, but don't go anywhere. We have one more segment of Ask Experts coming up right after this. Welcome back to Ask the Experts right here on Talk 1370. Our guest today is Regina Shower with the Slayton Shower Law Firm, and we're speaking about estate planning. Uh, Regina, my next question for you is, say that I have a power of attorney, uh, the three medical documents that are needed. Is there any advantage to having a trust or will um, during my life? In other words, is there any advantage to someone having a trust rather than having a power of attorney document?
0: Yes, there is an advantage. If you, if you have a power of attorney and you also have a trust, um, what a lot of people do not understand in Texas is that it's optional as to whether somebody wants to honor the power of attorney uh-huh. in Texas. And we don't usually see a problem with the spouses. So if it's your husband trying to act on your behalf, it's not really a problem, but when your children try to step in and act with that power of attorney, we start seeing uh, like banks and things not wanting to honor those. Um, they don't really have a choice if that person is named as a trustee, because a trustee in a trust is in a, a in a more powerful position, yeah. and they don't have the option to deny that person the ability to act. So. It's a lot more powerful, I guess is what I'd say, in your lifetime. So when
1: does a power of attorney become effective?
0: Whenever somebody is not able to make their own mental decisions. So it's not triggered by like if you, you, know, you had a, a car accident and you're in a wheelchair. But if you're not able to understand the consequences of your decisions, then that is when we, we step in with those. I usually give an example of um, if I ask uh, somebody, hey, do you want to sell your house? And they agree with me. They can answer and all that, but do they understand that that means that they'll no longer live in that house? Mm-hmm. So you have to understand the consequences of what you're answering. That's the that's a criteria. Oh, and also on those. Um, the way that those are set up in our statutory uh, Powers of attorney, the way state, Texas usually sets those up, is one, at least one doctor has to say that and, and answer specific questions that that person is not able to. It's not just, okay, a family member's decided that now I should step in. It has to be, and usually your, um, your primary physicians won't make that decision. They usually will defer and the person has to be taken to a neurologist mm-hmm. and they run tests and make sure. So,
1: And so what is the power of attorney and what is the difference in a general power of attorney and a limited power of attorney?
0: Anytime that uh, you are able to, you want to give a limited power of attorney rather than a general power of attorney. And the reason is it's just what it sounds like. You are limiting it. To certain things, when you give a general power of attorney, you want to be very, very careful that that person is trustworthy. They can do anything at all in your name uh, that you've given them the power to do. So basically anything if you give them a general power of attorney. Um, but if you limit that power of attorney, so, for example, maybe I'm selling a home and I want to give my son the ability to help me, I'm going overseas or something, and I want to give him the ability to handle all that silliness for me um, or all that stuff for me, Um, then I can give him a power and limit it to just doing that. And, um, you know, if I am, uh, I used to uh, help children uh, find homes for Russian orphanages And when we were doing that, they would give us a limited power of attorney to just handle the adoption processes in Russia. So, you know, it's that type of thing. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, So uh, before we change topics here, I just wanted to ask, um, who would I want to serve as the executor trustee if I'm going to create a will or trust?
0: It needs to be somebody that is absolutely trustworthy. In your eyes and some also somebody that you feel would seek the same goals as you um so if that person is trustworthy you know like most of the time people can tell me really quickly who they want to receive their assets you know you've loved your children from the time they were born and that you know that type of thing um Oftentimes, the the companion question that goes with that is, is there somebody in your life that you do not want to receive assets? Um, if so, you need to name that person because there's typically uh, every family has somebody that if everybody says black, that person says white, and they're just going to disagree and cause problems. Um, if, there, if you have that in your family, then you want to recognize that up front and deal with it. Um, so, you know, you want to get somebody who can kind of be a peacemaker and smooth things out, mm-hmm. but absolutely would be trustworthy with your assets.
1: Regina, if I have one of those loans that says if I transfer, gift, sell, uh, etc., then the loan on the property comes due if I create a trust and put my property in it, will that cause a problem with my loan?
0: Absolutely not. Um, it will. Uh, you're able to just transfer it into that trust, and it doesn't cause any problems at all with that. Now, um, there is a type of trust that that would cause a problem, but the type of trust that we're talking about today, absolutely not. People do it all the time. And you can always choose whether you want to put an item into that trust or not put it in the trust too. So, and it doesn't affect also the other thing that you should realize as far as creating a trust is it also will not affect your property tax exemptions. For example, if your pr- taxes have been frozen at age 65, then it will not affect you. You still get that exemption, okay. that freeze and that type of thing. So
1: So we have just a few minutes left uh, in our final segment. Um, I just want to ask you um, about uh, adding anything about your law firm and and some of the important things that we have talked about today.
0: Well, we're always willing to answer questions. Um, We don't charge for people just asking us questions. The only time that we charge for anything is if we actually create a document for people. Um, So if people have questions that they need answered, uh, ask them to please feel free to email me or to call, and I'll be happy to visit with them and try to help them.
1: And of course, that number is 512-258-9455, and we can send emails and questions through your website? Sure. That's austinestateplan.com. Regina, I want to thank you for joining us on the program today. And letting our listeners know about a lot of the important things that they should consider in uh, in planning out their legacy and um, in, uh, in their trust for their children.
0: Well, I'm very honored that you asked me and I've enjoyed it. Thank you.
1: Again, if you'd like to catch up on this episode or even our first interview with Regina, you can visit our website, talk1370.com slash experts. Hey, that wraps it up for this episode of Ask the Experts. I want to thank you again for tuning in and Don't forget to join us again next week. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand.